Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hello and welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. As you know, my name is Chris Panaski and yeah, we are here for another episode. And before we get rolling, um, there's not too much happening in my life at the moment. One thing that's really annoying though, I don't know what I did, but I, I kind of, I think uh, the tendon that goes down through the elbow, I probably pulled the arm somehow, some way, and a little bit of inflammation and stuff. And just using my arm, my right arm, really kind of hurts. And I've been doing some work and helping people, help my brother out with some, making some forms today for some cement work he's doing. And man, it's really hard to like shovel and move a wheelbarrow and stuff. So I'm hoping that gets better because... Yeah, it really sucks biking too with a with a sore elbow because you you'd be surprised how much you actually lean on your arms and stuff as you're riding. So, anyways, it's life. I guess that's what happens when you're in your forties. You start to get aches and pains that are inexplicable and will hopefully go away after a week or two. Other than that, we are days away from taking off on a little bike tour of our own, the Petit Train du Nord, which means the little train of the north, and it goes from Montreal to Mont Laurier, which is around two hundred and I think now it goes to kilometer negative 32. So it's around 230-something kilometers, maybe 240. And, I mean, it's rail trail, so it's pretty easy riding. And it's really developed into, like, touristiness and all that stuff. So it's there's a lot of cafes and little towns and picturesque villages that you go through. And the the train stations have been converted. And it's, it's really nice. I've ridden little sections of it, but this time we're going to do the whole thing. And uh, the basic plan for this is to uh, ride about the first three days. We don't have much ground to cover. 35 kilometers a day, I think, will get us to Mont Tremblant, which is kind of the halfway point, in about three days. And then we're going to spend a couple nights there for our anniversary and just do some, you know, a little bit of hiking, maybe some cafes, spas, things like that. Just make the best of it. And then we'll ride the rest of the way to Montreal before spending a weekend in Montreal, or maybe not quite the weekend, maybe Thursday, Friday, or Friday, Saturday, something like that. And just check out the best of Montreal. So looking forward to it. And that'll be a first uh, family bike tour ever. And the first tour for my wife and I in about three years to do together. So it's going to be fun. And her sister's with us, so I've got a bike for her. And um, we're taking the dog. So I'm working on that, trying to get her used to the basket. And I'm using a a kind of big Tupperware storage container that's going to be mounted on the back of my bike on a rack. And then behind that, I'll be pulling the baby. So I'm going to do all the work, but that's fine. I'm happy with that. What else? Oh, yes, I do want to thank my newest Patreon. 
I, I had it added in the notes on the last couple episodes and realized I kept forgetting to say thank you to Jamie from Norway. Uh, thank you so much for, you know, supporting me and uh, being out there and listening and appreciating the content. So for anybody else out there who does enjoy the podcast and uh, wants to support me, you know, Patreon's a great way to do it. Just a small monthly fee. If not, you know, I totally get it. You can also just share the podcast, share it with friends and family and uh, spread the word or give me a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. That would be really, really appreciated. And it would really go a long ways to helping me get exposure and all that stuff. So much appreciated. Uh, Lastly, before we roll into the intro, you can always check out bikepackadventures.ca to uh, find some amazing routes bikepacking routes throughout Ontario Quebec and a few other provinces so far it's kind of building up but I've kind of slowed down on it um, since summer's arrived and hopefully in the the fall I'll start adding more routes again or work on getting contacting people and getting them to add the routes and whatnot so yeah check it out though if you're looking for a bikepacking adventure get off the grid for a few days it's definitely a good resource with tons and tons of routes and write-ups all right now on to the intro welcome to the bike tour adventures podcast i'm your host chris banaski this podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours bike packers and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures through their stories you will be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring and bike packing you'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world hear fantastic stories of their journeys and through both mine and my guest experiences you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear bikes and bike setups if you're new to bike touring or bike packing and considering going on an adventure i hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen if you're already an experienced bike tourer or bike packer i hope that my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way in the meantime enjoy the show and keep on pedaling In this episode of the Bike Tour Adventures podcast, I have a chat with Tara Gundrum, a United States Marine Corps veteran on a mission to raise funds to support educational outreach of the Wisconsin 9-11 Memorial, while embarking on a bike tour that will take her roughly 950 miles. With a plan to start on August 14th, it's a pleasure to have Tara on the show to talk about her journey, the upcoming adventure, and how cycling became part of her life. Tara, welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. All right. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate being here. I appreciate having you come on. So I know we were chit-chatting a little bit before I pushed the record button, but why don't you tell us about yourself? All right. So my name is Tara Gundrum, uh, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. I went straight from high school to the United States Marine Corps and served eight years as a uh, motor transport operator, uh, martial arts instructor trainer, and I finished up as a drill instructor. So uh, that's a bit about me. I reside in Wisconsin now uh, with my family. I have a a husband, Jason. We've been married for it'll be 23 years coming up in December and uh, two lovely daughters, Jasmine and Destiny. Amazing. And yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I certainly don't think that's a Wisconsin accent because I've been to Wisconsin <laughs> and it sure doesn't sound like it. So that's a Missouri accent. Yeah, that's definitely Missouri. A uh, little bit more Southern, not as a uh, not as kind of youper up as it is up here. But uh, yeah, it works. OK, so it's been a while since you've been in the military then, right? 
Yeah. So I think I've been out now for, gosh, I got out in 2005. So um, yeah, it's been that long. <laughs> okay. And I, I have a buddy who actually, oh man, it's probably right around the same time. I met him in 2011 in Malaysia when I was teaching and he was an ex-US Marine Corps as well. And he worked as a linguist. So he was like somewhere I don't know, Columbia or whatever, sitting in a room somewhere in a, in a house listening to Spanish people talk and <laughs> just translating stuff. So, uh, but yeah, the U.S., you guys have one really, really amazing thing. And that's that after you get out, they will give you guys money to go back to school and train and or go to university, get a degree, right? Yeah, so it's called the GI Bill. And um, what's really cool about it now is uh, certain states have different rules and things like that around the GI Bill. But for me here in Wisconsin, um, I'm able to go to school and then whatever I have left on my GI Bill that I did not use, I have the opportunity to kind of pass it along to my immediate children. So oh, my wow. um, both my kids here are able to go to school on the Wisconsin GI Bill, which is absolutely phenomenal. So that just means they can go to any Wisconsin university or technical school, which is um, all that they need to achieve their dream. So I'm yeah. super blessed in that way. Yeah, that's cool, man. America, you guys have some things really good. Like some some <laughs> some of those things are phenomenal. I, I know Canada is a great country, and uh, but I was in the reserves for six years, and there's not really anything for Canadians. I mean, unless you want no. to. If, if you're in the military and you want to become an officer, then they'll pay for you to go to university. So that's okay, good because okay. you can go to university for four four years or whatever and work full time, get paid full time, but not actually work other than study, you know? So oh, that's wow. pretty well, cool. Well, hey, <clears throat> thank you for your service, no matter yeah, what country, right? Exactly. That's pretty amazing. Uh, but y'all got the health care going on in Canada, so that's pretty sweet. We do. I have a buddy in, uh, a buddy in <laughs> Washington, D.C., actually, who uh, just had a baby. And, you know, I think he had his not much time off and... Uh, he was asking me, what am I doing? I said, oh, I'm taking 13 weeks of parental. And he's like, what the hell, man? Like, <laughs> you're the dad and you get 13 weeks? I said, yeah, it seems I was taking like 37 or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing. So how did um, how did military life, like, impact you as a person and with terms of growth and stuff? Well, um, I have to tell you that I went to a uh, military high school. So it was called oh. Cleveland NJROTC Academy in oh, okay. St. Louis, Missouri. And um, I originally went there because the uniforms were free, right? And so that really kind of relieved my mom of some financial responsibility. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, that worked out so well. We had, um, it was a Navy school. So I, <clears throat> I kind of had a Naval Chief Warrant Officer instructor, and then I had a Marine Corps master gunnery sergeant. And so uh, just watching their example and all of their teaching and the discipline and kind of all of their organizational tactics really drew to me. And I ended up joining the Marine Corps because of that. But um, the Marine Corps service really opened my eyes to the fact that there's more world out there other than, you know, the St. Louis area that I grew up in. And it really opened my eyes to opportunities and different ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, um, I had access to so many different people. Um, and, you know, you get to learn about different cultures. And uh, in the end, no matter where you're from, no matter which culture you're from, or kind of what you represent it as an individual, when you join the military, it's like now they kind of bring you, uh, they break you down and bring you up as a team mm -hmm. of Marines. And so now I just had a different view on people. 
and um, I looked at people as green, you know, yeah. they, they weren't anything other than green. And so I think that really helped me uh, as a civilian when I got into the civilian world, it just really helped me look at kind of like the big picture rather yeah. than focus on, you know, an individual as an individual and who the, and where they came from. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It takes away some of the barriers that might otherwise be Absolutely. there just based on class, race, gender, all these things. And for sure, yeah, that's really neat. And, um, yeah. And tell us about your, have you always been a cyclist? Have you, is this something you got into later in life? Uh, what's your journey been? Yeah. So it's been really later in life. My, uh, cycling memories as a child was pretty much, I got a bike for Christmas from my dad and I remember him shoveling the sidewalk of our city block and we could go from corner to corner. We could never cross a street. Right. (laughs) And then as I started to get older and crime increased in the area, it was like, okay, you can't even go from corner to corner. You can go from like this house to this house. And then (laughs) before you know it, it was like we were like cycling in a circle and I'm like this is dumb so I never really picked up the bike after say my elementary years um but I really got back on the bike um at age 35 when I got into triathlon um yeah so that's kind of how I got on the bike and I didn't even join triathlon to like, I didn't even know what triathlon was. Honestly, mm-hmm. I started swimming because I wanted to be able to swim with my daughter and play with her and swim for fun um, and fitness. And so uh, it was through the practice of, you know, swimming in the pool that I saw this chick next to me in the lane and she's swimming and checking her watch. And, and then <laughs> you're going, like, what are you like, looking what are at you that? Doing? <laughs> yeah, like, why? Why does time matter? Uh, and she told me about triathlon. Uh, literally that day I left the gym, signed up for like an intro to triathlon triathlon class oh, that's so cool. it's kind of like an indoor thing you know yeah and um and I really of course that's cycling is part of it mm-hmm. so uh that's how I really got on the bike um and then through the triathlon journey you know fast forward a couple of years I started having major knee issues with running and I couldn't really uh run as much so I ended up doing like the therapy uh recipe for me was to do swimming low impact sports cycling was a good thing Mm -hmm. and I just found myself going longer and longer on the bike and it it was like okay which destination can I go to today and uh it's just kind of like a lot of that, I, I, I love the piece of going mm-hmm. a bit slower and, um, I ended up, you know, starting long trip journeys and, and the dream of, Hey, what would it be like to just like go somewhere and sleep? Right. And yeah. that kind of came out of it. Nice. And, uh, what is, uh, what are some of the trips you've done? Or maybe you could tell us a little bit about one of them. If there's anyone yes. that stands out. Um, so I think the biggest one for me that stands out is my very first tour. Um, I actually took it, um, right when COVID hit, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a lot of things planned for, uh, our family trips and vacations. And of course, like so many others, they were canceled and, um, I just found myself in this space of needing to get away. And so I planned a, my very first bicycle tour solo because, you know, the person that I was going to originally do my first tour with got impacted by COVID and couldn't go. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do it. And I'm doing it by myself because I'll never do it if I wait on someone else. Right. Um, and I went to Michigan. So <clears throat> 
And what I did is uh, with the COVID restrictions, a lot of things were closed. And so that um, almost deterred me a bit. But thankfully, there's this wonderful uh, page called Bicycle Touring and Backpacking. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went to them and I was asking questions. And I, I ended up driving my car to Ludington, Michigan. And I hooked up with a warm showers host in Ludington. I parked my car there and drove a shuttle up to like the good heart area and just like dude dropped me off in the middle of the street. And I was like, well, that's it. I got to get back to my car. And uh, that for me was really impactful. It set the the stage in the mind of Mm -hmm. this is your mode of transportation. Like what you have on your bike is what you are going to need to survive. And it's up to you and your skill set and <laughs> pretty much your trust in humanity and your faith in yeah. God is going to get you back to the other side. So that was truly game changing for me. And um, I had a wonderful time. I took six days. I think I did about uh, 280 miles or something like that. Oh, nice. And um it was just great, man. I, I use warm showers as a great resource to stay at a couple of different places. And I stayed at a couple hotels, um, a little campground. And I feel like I experienced like mechanicals on that trip, had to overcome some adversity when it came yeah. to the hills. Cause I was just like, Holy crap. Am I, I'm not ready for Michigan Hills. So yeah, Michigan too. Like they're, I'm assuming they're very similar to what we have just north of Michigan. And that's just these long roller coasters, you know, they just, Every time you hit the rise of one, you can see the downhill, but then you see the next one coming. You're like, oh, it just doesn't end. <laughs> yeah, it, it literally doesn't end. Um, but I will tell you that I remember the day, it might have been like day four of my trip, that I made it through the entire day without hiking my bike. And I just oh, felt nice. so accomplished. And um, I love the fact that you get stronger as you go. You get stronger in the mind. And, you know, it was one thing. It was like mind, mind body, and spirit, like, right? Heck yeah, man. Uh, and then and then the motivation of the helpful people around you, mm-hmm. it just, it turned me on a bike tour and like, yeah. you wouldn't believe. Yeah. I had a post on my Instagram um, about a week ago. We were coming back from sailing in, uh, the, in Lake Huron. So we went sailing with my dad and I saw this bike tour on the side of the road. The bike is down. He's hard at work. So I pulled over quickly and uh, just to check to make sure he's okay. No, have no tools, nothing with me. And he's like, yeah, man, the, I don't know how many flats I've had today. I'm out of glue. So we kind of Jimmy rigged it with like crazy glue and a patch and got all the air out of the tube, like by sucking the air out. So there'd be no chance of leakage and got it glued on and gorilla taped it with some more glue. And, and he's, he actually he messaged me the next day. He only made it three more kilometers. <laughs> So it didn't really work. There was definitely a little metal sliver in there. But uh, I told him, I gave my number and I said, if you make it to Ottawa or when you make it to Ottawa, you know, shoot me a message. You're welcome to come stay here. You get a warm shower, some hot food. And um, we were talking about his tour. So he's from Scotland and he said that um, his name was Glenn is Glenn. And, uh, he said that it's been the people, man. He's like just the random encounters, like me stopping there when he was in a real funk, even though he didn't make it much further, you know, or, and then through that he had a night here and, um, yes, it, the people make a tour for sure. Like before continuing on with the show, I'd like to thank Panorama cycles for sponsoring this podcast. Panorama cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in Quebec, Canada, dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow and off-road trails. 
They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chick Shocks fat bike, the Catadan gravel bike, and the Taiga mountain bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way, while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra fat bike race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. And partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. Yeah, they totally make it. And I mean, kudos to you for stopping because <clears throat> I had that very same situation where I uh, <laughs> I thought I knew how to change the flat. Like I'd practiced it literally on my road bike and stuff like that, but I was on a touring bike. Right. And so my derailleur had a little lock on it and I didn't uh... know like, I didn't know that piece of it. So this, uh, several people stopped. They didn't have tools or didn't even Mm -hmm. know how to change a tire or help me, but they were willing to stop. And one lady, I just remember her saying like, I don't know what to do, but, uh, if you, somebody who knows what to do and we'll bring them back out here. And, but she didn't have to because somebody pulled along who helped me out. And yeah, the people are just phenomenal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've I, I haven't actually bike toured in the U.S., but I've heard, fant- everybody I know that. Well, I mean, probably most of the world people always say the people are so good, but I've heard really good things from everybody for you know, and how different the people are from state to state as well. But the one thing is true is, for the most part, everybody has been really good, except for the occasional yeah. person that might throw cans or bottles or something. You know, like I had one guy who did. I don't know what you call it when they're in a diesel truck and coal roller. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I was like so upset and and then I remember I like threw my water bottle and then I was like that's not gonna do anything you're probably (laughs) just gonna lose a water bottle and so like I just had to compose myself and just realize that you know that one person does not define like the the 98 percent of the world who is like the cycling community is so graceful and forgiving and helpful and it's just like super cool that's so true um, so what kind of bike were you, you using? What was your touring bike? And is it the same bike you have now or have you changed or what? Yeah, it's Tell the same thing. So it's a, a Trek 920. It's a gravel uh, bike. Yeah, that's what Glenn was riding a 920. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's interesting. I had like five flats on my first tour and it was very and I thought that I was prepared. I was like yeah. over prepared. I had like two extra tires and like uh, like three tubes. And I went through all of that stuff. And it turns out that my rim. Uh, I had a quite a bit of weight, like excessive weight, actually, mm-hmm. on my bike. And um, the the holes in the rim had a little metal sliver that was popping my tubes. Oh, That's what was happening. Okay. Um, so I've actually transitioned to tubeless riding. And it's a world uh, of I difference. Had, Isn't it amazing? Man, it's so amazing. I haven't had, like, any major issues. I did have this weird situation um, the other day where, like, my – tire looked like it had a pimple like it's just like a lot of air just kind of showed up and I went to the bicycle touring page I was like anybody seen this and some guy was like pop it like a pimple and keep on rolling and literally I did that and I rolled probably for another 400 miles and um, 
I actually still have that tire because uh, I'm going to use it around here. I just saved it, but mm-hmm. I did put new tires on for the trip. I just kind of want to make sure my odds are greater. Yeah. So tell us, um, tell us about your upcoming trip and where did that idea come from? All right, so uh, I'm going to be cycling from my home in West Bend, Wisconsin to uh, Washington, D.C. And the, you know, as the crow flies, the trip is 950 miles, but mm. I've already kind of started building in my overnight like nice. accommodations. Yeah. And so I'm at like 1,080 miles right now. Um, but the original idea came from the fact that I we have this club called black girls do bike and um it's an organization that's designed to just kind of really get more women of color Mm -hmm. out on bikes because it's just kind of not been um there's not been a lot of places where people can go to feel comfortable to get started so yeah that's kind of how the group was formed and but women of all shades are welcome um and they have a national meetup every year and this is the first national meetup since COVID started so I was like man I really want to go and I was looking at the calendar and I'm like man okay the meetup is in Pittsburgh and it's going to take me two days to drive there two days to drive back so it's four days of PTO a three-day event you know so and I knew that I also wanted to do a bike tour I really had my heart set Mm -hmm. on a two-week bike tour this year and so I was like, well, there it is. I'm going to bike there. It's going to take me more than two weeks. Right. And so I kind of planned it out as get to Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And that was just about a little two weeks. Maybe it was like, maybe like 11 or 12 days or something. And uh, I was like, well, wait, I'm already in Pittsburgh and the gap in the CNO will take me to DC, which I've already done that. So why not go to DC? And so the, the plan just kept kind of forming and, uh, when I finally decided that I could get the time off of work, I begged and pleaded uh, with my bosses because like I staff a very high powered executive, um, the senior elected executive in my county. uh, And I was like, man, I can't leave him for three weeks. Like that's just not going to work. Like I'm just like right hand. Right. And so um, after pleading, you know, we figured out a way and they were like, do it. Like, and so, uh, that's when I figured I gotta do it for a cause like this ha- this is so mm. epic it's got to be greater than me you know and um of course with my natural background of being a veteran and um just literally remembering where I was when 9-11 took place um it uh I decided that it was going to be for the 9-11 memorial here in mm. a town very close to where I live and that town was rocked when um one of their um, community members passed away in the North Tower. And so they developed a memorial that stands proud in Kewaskum, Wisconsin. It's called the Wisconsin 9-11 Memorial. And they actually have a piece of steel from the North Tower erected as one of the main features. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I called the president of their board and and it was just kind of like all she wrote from there. That's yeah. How it came about. Yeah. That's amazing. And then, then it kind of really twists your boss's arm to give you the time off too. He's like, ah, oh, now what can I say? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I am so fortunate to work for, uh, not only just a cool guy, but, uh, also a military veteran oh, that's in the army national yeah. guard. Yeah. And, um, you know, that mutual respect of mm-hmm. kind of what the passion was for that came through, of course. And then wanting to see me achieve a dream of mine was huge. And so, 
uh, they were just going to figure it out, you know, and, and that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we, we got several things in place to make it happen. And so I'm very blessed to work where I work and have the opportunity to do what I do. Nice. Plugged. <laughs> no, <I'm so> <laughs> um, and can you, uh, can you tell me the name of the group again? You said, is it black women on bikes? Is there something like uh, that? So, so it's called black girls do bike. Black girls uh, do bike. Nice. Yeah. BGDB is something that was started by uh, Monica Godfrey Garrison. Uh, okay. I will add a link. I will, I'll search it. If I, I'll have to re-listen to the episode cause I will. Forget oh, it. I could totally email. <laughs> yeah, you email me, and I'll, I'll definitely add a link to it. That's really cool. And there are so many amazing groups forming. You know, like I think uh, I don't know if you know Marley Blonsky. Um, she yeah. recently started a group called All Bodies on Bikes, and it's like, you know, yeah. so that I mean, about a year, year and a half ago, and it, the idea there was that you know you shouldn't be shamed just because of your body type or shape or whatever, and it doesn't mean you can't ride a bike. And you know, so it's really amazing that. There are, there's groups popping up that are promoting, you know, everybody, well, every yeah. shade, color, gender, everything, yeah, nationality, absolutely. race. There's, there's this lady, a uh, black lady. Her name is Whitney. I, I can't, I can't recall her last name right now, but she kind of took that motion of she's a bigger gal. And she, uh, of course, wanted to improve her life, but she figured I'm not going to wait until I'm that perfect, like, you know, figure mm-hmm. that America think or the world thinks is, um, you know, perfect to be on bikes. So she literally started bike touring at, um, a weight that was not ideal for most people. Yeah. And she just figured, you know, I'm just going to do what I can do. And mm-hmm. so she cycled across the, uh, the States, uh, all the way from the East coast to the West coast. That's amazing. And now she's, now she's got this dream to cycle, like, around the world she's in alaska right now so oh it's amazing she's so right she's maybe gonna do like the pan america or something yeah i don't know but There's, i mean just that that alone is super mm-hmm. inspiring i had another person reach out and uh we never got the podcast around just because uh we were gonna wait till he finished doing the trans america but he was oh wait was he doing the trans america or he was um race across America. I think he was doing sport. Oh yeah. Yeah. But he was like 380 pounds or something before. And he was out on a mission to like, and he sent me, like I saw before and after pictures, he lost a ton of weight and he was going to race across the U S as a competitive cyclist. And I was like, man, just imagine like, it's just mm. bikes change lives. Like I love it. They, they change lives. <laughs> it totally hits the feels. And then of course, all of the abilities like with like e-bikes and things like that, that are mm-hmm. just kind of keeping people going longer. I, I love everything. Keeping couples it. together. Yes. For <laughs> trying sure. to get one for my wife. Cause uh, <laughs> that way she can keep up with me. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. That um, works. So what have been some of the biggest challenges with uh, preparing for this tour other than getting time off work? Um, so, yeah, time off work has been a challenge. Um, I really think for me, just wanting to be able to tackle the longevity of the trip. This will be my longest trip. Mm-hmm. So um, hills have been really important to me so I've been doing like hill repeats and trying to cycle to work as much as possible and finding like the hilliest routes that I can and just really trying to persevere through the hills um I I feel like if I can just focus on getting ready mentally for that that I'm fine and and the other thing is staying 
in the lane of which I know my body can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's one thing to go slower to be able to sustain it, but it's another thing to try to like feel like you got to make some crazy miles and then blow up your body yeah. and now you can't finish the trip. So it's just really a lot of uh, mental focus and then the preparedness of what I'm taking with me. I really tried to lighten my load a lot. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Tours. Yeah. So you're going to laugh at me. Um, I probably so, won't. <laughs> I might. When I, <laughs> when I tour, I'm like all about comfort, right? And I literally think about what I'm going to eat for dinner from the time that I wake up. Mm. And um, I bought this comfortable chair that I take. It's like a foldable like travel chair. And then I also have a very small, lightweight foldable table. And um <laughs> I just feel comfortable like sitting in my chair and not like putting my food on the ground. And so I did decide I'm not taking my table, which I hope I don't regret it, but I am taking my chair. So I kind of lightened up that way. And then um, I had a lot of, I don't know, very like bougie type things that I took with me, like a bottle of glass seasoning. Right. So that type of stuff (laughs) is, is in like a Ziploc bag right now, you know? Well, you said you're from Missouri. So you guys, you have to have your spices and stuff, right? Cause uh, otherwise I think, uh, I think the, 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 northeast of the u.s it's not very flavorful food maybe you know (laughs) yeah like i was just thinking like oh man i need this seasoning for everything that i want to eat and then you know i need uh like i took like toothpaste and like a whole tube of toothpaste or i took a a whole tube the big tube not the mini tube Mm -hmm. and i just remember one of my warm show warm shower hosts saying to me like why do you need all this toothpaste? And, and, you know, so I kind of scale back on stuff like that and just kind of looking at the size of things. And I remember I took like a, a big, huge wind, like canister for fuel for my jet boil. And Mm -hmm. the same girl, she's like, really? Like you can pick this up anywhere. Like don't carry all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So her uh, experience and kind of, she went through all of my gear and just kind of helped me understand that, Oh, you can have what you need and not take so much and resupply. So that kind of is a new mindset. And then um, just looking at everything and, and saying, why do I have to take this specific item when maybe I could use one item that has like multiple purposes? So that has been my experience. And I think I shaved off about 15 pounds so far. And that's, that's pretty exponential, I think. Um, So, so I I think I'm going to roll with it. I just did like my final shakedown tour this weekend with everything that I'm going to take on my trip. And I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. I uh, I was going to say, um, when I was thinking about stuff that people carry, like this guy, Glenn, the other day, um, I don't know why he's going to come into every story today, but he will. <laughs> Hopefully he listens to this episode. Anyway, see, his bike was pretty heavy loaded on the back, too, with big panniers. And on the front, he had just, you know, little dry bags. And I he, he mentioned he was trying to get to Halifax in the next two weeks, which is like, uh, maybe at that point, maybe 2,000 kilometers and I said, yeah, well, your bike's pretty heavy. Like maybe you, I have a friend down there. Maybe I can give you an address. I can talk to him and you can ship some stuff forward if you want to lighten your load. And before he ever made it to my house, he had already sent 10 kilos to the post office in Halifax and just said, yeah, I'll just wait at the post. I just gave them their address and I, I'm going to call them and say that I sent some stuff forward. And I was like, oh, wow, 10 kilos. That's like 20, 22 pounds. 
Holy man. Yeah, what, what what do you think his overall weight was? I don't know, but it looked pretty heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. And then when you're trying to push all that around mm-hmm. and it's just like, man, if I could lighten this up, I could just save my life yeah. a little bit. You and know? I think the learning thing on that, it just comes from you have to tour to figure that out, you know, because when you pack stuff the first time you look at it and you say, well, it's heavy, but I can, it's on a bike and it's rolling. But then when you hit a, a hundred kilometer day or a 60 mile day and you've gone up so many darn hills that you, you're like, Oh wait, yeah, this is really heavy, you know? So, um, and then it's just a matter of figuring things out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's been definitely a learning experience. And, but then, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, when I, when I get to my camp and it would be really challenging if I didn't have something that I really needed to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because for me, I mean, I may sound tough, but I'm a baby. Like when I get cold, it's just like, like, like anybody around me is going to get sick of me whining. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I, I have to sleep with like a beanie and my, like, um, kind of like a, um, it's a sweatshirt, but it's made out of material that's really light. So I, I kind of use that and I always have to put socks on and, okay. you know, just to stay warm. So yeah. uh, I just got to make sure that I'm comfortable so that I'm motivated to go forward the next day. Cause I don't want to like, I, I'm not doing this for torture, right? Mm-hmm. I want to have fun. And so I think I, I will make sure that I take the things that will allow me to enjoy it. In my experience, if you make yourself so uncomfortable that you have all you are thinking about the whole night is getting up in the morning and start riding. It also works. <laughs> oh yeah. I suppose. If yeah. you I freeze mean, your you ass off up. and you're like, okay, I gotta go. I gotta go. Um, I'll try, I'll try your theory <laughs> around the house, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't even try it. Um, I, I'm a, I'm an expert at being underdressed or underprepared for bike tours or, or races even. And, you know, my friends are looking cozy and stuff and they just carried an extra pound maybe. And I'm just like, it sucks. Curled up in a ball. <laughs> yeah. So do it the right way. I think it, you've, you've got it figured out. Um, yeah, cool. So yeah, you mentioned your packing. Um, yeah. They, they do make some light chairs now too, like the Helinox and stuff. And I don't know what other brands, Big Agnes, I think makes some really light ones. Yeah, I brought like a knockoff of one of those that you mentioned um, off Amazon. It's called like the Sunbeam or something like that. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Perfect. it supports me and it's chill. It's super light. I'm like, yeah. and, and for me with I have pretty bad knees. And so, you know, getting up and down off the ground is kind of like <laughs> it wears me out. Mm-hmm. So that chair saves my life and it helps me just kind of stretch while I'm loaded ground yeah. and I can cook and all that stuff. I had some guests on a couple of years ago and they said that always Dutch the Dutch tourists have chairs with them. And other, other people look at them like, why do you have chairs? And then they're all sitting together. And they're like, you're so lucky. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you doing a shakedown ride at all before this? Like a fully loaded um, one night or something or two nighter just to, to work things yeah, out? Yeah, so... So I've been doing quite a bit of shakedowns here lately. Um, So I kind of started out just doing it around my house. So Mm -hmm. I would just kind of load up my bike and just do like a 60 mile day or something and come back and just set up camp in my yard and never go inside and just kind of see what I needed. Um, and I just recently went on a tour with this group called, uh, out our front door and they had a, like a two day setup where you'd bike from Milwaukee to Illinois beach state park. And then from there, um, on to Chicago. And so it was just me meeting up with people that I'd never met. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It was like super rad, but I had like, 
all of my bike touring setup. And that was when I realized that bike camping and bike touring are two different things, right? So a lot of these folks showed up with these lighter kind of road bikes with just a little bit thicker tires. And then they had like half the weight, if not less than what I had. And so they were moving a lot quicker. And I was like, man, I was kind of suffering for a minute because like they're rolling at like 14 miles an hour. And I'm used to, you know, 10 to 12. Yeah. And um, I just, you know, decided, you know, if I can push myself with this group, make it happen. And uh, over these next two days, just like hang tight, then I know I'm ready for my yeah. trip. Right? And it's good to test, know- good to test your suffer level as well, maybe just to, to oh, see man. how much you can push yourself, right? Yeah. And, and that was my, that was my plan. It was like, don't quit. Don't give up. Yeah. It's not your normal, but if you can hang tight, yeah, at least you'll know you're ready. And mm-hmm. that was what got me through. And I mean, the group was phenomenal. They were just like super chill people. And, um, yeah, it was wonderful. So that was my last official shakedown. Nice. Um, I'm doing a couple more like little things around mm-hmm. the house. So, um, like a couple of just camp outs, I really want to just go through all of my cooking and make sure I have everything that I need that way. Um, which I'm pretty sure I'm locked in. And, uh, the only thing I'm thinking about that I want to add that I haven't had is like a little tarp of some sort for, uh, rainy day, just mm-hmm. kind of pull over. So like, I know that when I'm in my tent, I'm in my tent, but then I, I'm thinking like, man, if I get a crazy rainy day with no shelter, um, do I want to be in my tent trying to cook or should I be under a tarp or something, you know? So that's good. Kind of like, yeah, I'm trying to kind of work through that idea and see if I want to add anything, but I don't know. I probably won't. I'll probably just figure it out. And have you had your, how old are your kids? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So my oldest, she's 21. She'll be 22 in October. And then my youngest, she just turned 16. So thankfully for me, like she's got her car, she's a great driver. And, uh, I will have had a month with her driving before I leave, but at least I know she can get to work and, um, you know, she can kind of do what she needs to do. And, you know, my husband's super supportive of it all. So they got it. They they have the home front lockdown Mm -hmm. for me so that I can just focus on riding. And how do the girls feel about this whole thing? Are they, they must be proud they're super proud they think that i'm also crazy um because like neither of them are real cyclists they will go on me um or go with me for like neighborhood rides and stuff like that and we'll just kind of go tooling around after dinner just to kind of just move a little bit Mm -hmm. and enjoy the evening but nothing like over five miles um but they don't enjoy cycling as much as i do right now but they really um, they might grow into it yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're super happy for me and the fact that I'm fulfilling my dream and uh, enjoying the movement of cycling. And, and they always like it when I come back because I'm always super happy. And so the thing around the house is like if I get crabby or something, like, hey, no, you want to go for a bike ride? And <laughs> I was like, oh, you want to go for a bike ride? They're like, no, but you should like because <laughs> you always come back super happy. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much that. Nice. And are you you're planning to camp mostly or use uh, warm showers and stuff as well? So it's a mixture of both. When I first leave, like my first six days right now are kind of booked up with warm showers hosts. I was so lucky to find folks along my route that really I didn't have to go out of my way a bit. Um, There is a segment between like Oberlin, Ohio and um, Pittsburgh that I'm trying to still figure out yet. Mm -hmm. But um, when I'm 
in Pittsburgh, like my plan from Pittsburgh all the, the way to D.C. is just to camp because there's so many camping locations okay. like hiker biker sites along the Gap Trail and the CNO Trail. And, um, you know, the Gap Trail is pretty much like a paved trail. It's about 150 miles. And then the CNO Trail is a bit unimproved, uh, more kind of gravel, uh, but it's they still have hiker biker sites okay. with um, significant water sources. I mean, I do mm-hmm. carry kind of like a water purification, like my Sawyer and stuff yeah. like that. So um, I'm able to grab water and stuff out of either like the Potomac river or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not super stoked about getting water out of the canal, but you know, uh, we'll figure that yeah. part out. <laughs> uh, I, I guess say hey, that's one thing you guys have really going on well in the U S is the hiker biker sites. Cause it doesn't really really exist here in Canada. There are some campgrounds will have spots for bikes, but typically no. And then mm-hmm. you have to pay the same price that somebody would be paying if they had a 50-foot or 30-foot RV, you know? So they'd be asking you for $50, $60 to pitch a tent for a night. And so a lot of people are like, well, not going to do that. So then we all end up like, you know, wild camping because yeah, who's going to pay that much, you know? Where in the U.S., I know like my friends say it's like, five ten sometimes maybe fifteen dollars i think not even maybe it's ten i don't know yeah well actually right now it's crazy hiker biker or um like some of the state park biker sites are literally like 20 bucks oh wow and it's crazy you pay 20 bucks and then you got to share a group campsite and you know i'm just like well that's kind of crazy mm-hmm. but um if you ever i know you say you hadn't done a tour yet in the u.s but if you ever get uh, a few days like someone as as experienced as you you'll probably be able to do something like the gap and the cno trail all together from pittsburgh to dc you could probably do it in like four or five days all of the campsites are free Um, there's no charge you literally just pull over and camp and they are outfitted with uh for the most part a water pump uh, a well pump Mm -hmm. and kind of like a portageon bathroom yeah and then they have a fire pit carved out and they do a really good job along these trails trying to get you next to a water source so you're right along like the potomac river um on the gap and then the canal the chesapeake and ohio canal um for the uh, cno trail and so, man, you're pretty well set up. And I mean, if you if you got a few short days and you want to do something in the U.S., that, that'll probably yeah. be it. Nice. Have to at some point. Definitely. Um, <laughs> what are you most excited about? Uh, I'm just really most excited about um, unplugging. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't unplugged in a couple of years. And that's my full plan this trip is unplug from things that I'm um I'm going to say not forced to do, but my, that are my regular requirements Mm -hmm. and only plug in when I want to so that I can access people, not that people can access me. Like that's what I'm most excited about. Delete the apps off your, the, the phone's desktop, you know, or after, you know, so just take away the shortcuts and they don't get pop-ups and super excited about that. And then, um, just meeting more new people because I feel like every time that I, um, go on a trip, I meet someone that inspires me more. Like, you know how you can think that you're doing everything right. Mm -hmm. And you can think that you're in the right headspace. And then you meet someone who just totally just makes you think, man, either I can do more or I can look at things a different way. Um, So I'm really excited for that because I know that those people are out there. And I mean, I love that energy. Yeah. Nice. Anything worry you? Any worries? Um, so my only, your daughter driving, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I do a lot of praying about that. So <laughs> it's like, that's about all I can do. Uh, I really, you know, I try not to have worries. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a really faithful person. And a good friend of mine told me that, you know, if you're worrying about something, that means you're not trusting God. And so I take all of my worries to him and I pray about them. And I just know that he's going to take care of me. And I just worry about, or I just focus on doing what I have in front of me at that day. And that right there has not failed me. That's been your key to success, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about the bike tour that I'm kind of missed out on? I forgot. Uh, no, I, well, I, I think you hit mostly everything, uh, about the trip. Um, I will say that one thing that just popped up that I'd love to share with you Mm -hmm. is the fact that, um, right before we started this, uh, recording, a friend of mine called me and said that, Hey, like we're putting together a celebration for your return home. And so, yeah. And so they're planning this big party where when I arrive back, because basically I'm cycling all the way to D.C. And then when I get to D.C., I'm going to take the Amtrak back to Milwaukee. Like I'm not biking back the return yeah. trip. Um, but when I get to Milwaukee, there's a place uh, about a mile from the Amtrak station called the uh, Milwaukee County War Memorial. Oh. And I'm going to go there. And then I'm going to cycle with my husband and just a small group, less than 10, all the way back to the Kiwaskum 911 Memorial. And um, how far is that? That's about a 45 mile trip. Okay. Um, but the beauty of it is once I get to like the West Bend area, mile 35, there's this trail called the Eisenbahn Trail. And it takes you straight from the trailhead all the way to the memorial is exactly 10 miles. So I just kind of threw out a little message that, hey, any locals that are excited about the ride that want to ride with me for the last 10 miles, like you could join me here and, and we can ride into the memorial together. So I kind of said that and a lot of people drew a lot of interest. And now there's this big celebration event with music and food and t-shirts and um i'm just super pumped about the community coming together um because that's always i love community and um they say that i'm inspiring them but they're truly inspiring me right now yeah and you were talking about that before we went live and and your community i mean wow like they they are so into it you know and it seems like such a really such a warm loving community how big is this town is it uh because it's a suburb of milwaukee kind of uh yeah suburb so we're just about a little bit north uh west of milwaukee Mm -hmm. uh so the county that i'm in is washington county wisconsin and the memorial is placed in a town called uh, kewaskum wisconsin and gosh i'm struggling to uh say the population here but i don't know i'm probably gonna guess like maybe like maybe like 7,000 or something okay. like that. Like, I don't know. That might even be crazy high. Like, Oh I'm yeah. Thinking well, okay. Pretty, I'm, I'm thinking that's pretty high, um, but it's a small town. Yeah. And um, yeah, community is huge around here. And it's just kind of like people look out for you and it's um, definitely not the inner city vibe. It's more like, you know, you see somebody pulled over, like you said earlier, somebody's going to stop mm-hmm. and say, do you need help? Or somebody's going to, kind of like know where you are and and they're always a smiling face like I call it um I'm actually going to put this on my bike for my tour a little tag that says Wisconsin nice because people are so nice around here yeah nice how long have you been in Wisconsin for 
So since 2005, when okay. I got out of the military, yeah. yeah. So I've raised my kids here. I think my my oldest, she was probably um, four when we got back here. Okay. And um, yeah, I've raised both my kids here, and I, I really love it. Amazing. All right, let's talk about uh, the possible project podcast. Um, ah, yeah. I, I was looking at it a little bit and stuff, and checking out some of your past guests. Um, tell us about the podcast. All right. So uh, the podcast actually came about the idea of it while I was on my tour from Pittsburgh to D.C. And um, I really started vlogging like so I just turn on my camera and start mm -hmm. talking to the camera. And uh, I was meeting all these really cool people and um, I, I'd be like, hey, like, oh, do you mind if I turn my camera on and you, and you share that story with me? I think it's so empower, like, I think it's empowering mm. and I want to share with others. And so I'd start video and little clips. And um, before you know it, I was like, man, I really want to tell other people's stories because I think that through stories we can learn and we can mm -hmm. be energized. And so um, that's how the podcast was formed. Um, it's called the Possible Project Podcast. And the tagline is everyday people doing extraordinary things, right? Mm. So these are people that you meet in the gas station or the doctor's office, or you may cross paths with them at church or work or whatever the case. But it's like they're doing something in their life that is bigger than themselves. And you just kind of feel like, hey, maybe somebody else can use that motivation. Mm -hmm. And in a world of negativity, uh, I just love sharing uh, positive stories. Story, yeah, so. nice. And how long has it been going on for? So I just aired episode 20 today nice. and I'm a weekly podcast. So I started in March and I, I just hit episode 20 and I am loving every single episode. I mean, just the people that I meet are truly inspiring. Yeah. And are, is it more community based like around your area or is it kind of like all over the guests come from everywhere and yeah. So guests come from everywhere. Like I have guests that, um, that live in like Texas guests that I met in like the military. Um, honestly, people that I find like on my Instagram or something like that, I was just scrolling through Instagram mm -hmm. one day and I saw this woman, uh, her name is Lauren, Lauren Ronick. She actually aired today. Um, I saw her cycling with her toddler on like the front seat. She's mountain biking with her toddler. Yeah. With like, like kids ride shotgun or something. Right. One of those seat yeah. setups. Yeah. Super crazy. And I was like, what? This woman is amazing. And then I just kind of like started stalking her feed. Right. And then I finally reached out to her. I'm like, Hey, you are truly doing something amazing. And her biggest thing is she's trying to teach, uh, and, and help other women, um, kind of break the barrier of you're now a mom, but that doesn't mean you have to let go of the outdoors. And I'm going to teach you some of these tips and tricks that I've learned. And as a community, we're going to grow together. Amazing. And so people like her, even just like influencers that, you know, I don't even know personally, but I like what they're doing. I'll reach out. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of local naturally, cause that's who I mm -hmm. encounter every day. But then there's people from my military background, my traveling background, my cycling background, like all of that, that comes into play. Oh, that's really, really cool. Yeah. And, um, what was I going to say? There was something I was going to say. Yeah. It's podcasting. It's just really fun. It's just just a fun way to meet people and make friends around the world. So now you have a friend in Ottawa, Chelsea, Quebec. Yeah. Just outside a Ottawa. friend in Ottawa. And uh, yeah, I totally <laughs> got to like flip the script on you and like bring you out of my podcast and you, you can, can tell your you story. Yeah, I think that'd be amazing. I'd love to hear more. <laughs> All right. Um, and how has the podcast tied in with uh, with this mission, with the fundraising for the 9-11 Memorial? Like, 
Yeah. So I kind of tied it in um, with, I, I created just um, a, a, the piece of it called the possible project, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the possible project podcast, but this is my official first project. So I wanted to do projects in the community kind of like based off of the people that I meet. Okay. And so the president of the 9-11 Memorial Board of Directors, his name is Fuzz Martin. Um, I actually had him on my podcast. And this was one of the key elements that he, of course, is is near and dear to his heart. And and he puts a lot of effort and energy into the 9-11 Memorial. And he has his own podcast too. So it's kind of like I was talking to him and when the idea of the bike trip came up and we're trying to like brainstorm and figure out like what the fundraising aspect of it would be, uh, it was kind of a natural fit. So he was one of my guests before and he is tied to the nine 11 Memorial as well. And so this became my first project for the possible project podcast. And so I plan on doing more projects uh, throughout the year as things develop, but Uh it just kind of fit perfectly. Nice. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And um, I see my mind is slipping. <laughs> I was going to ask you, yeah, so what is the how, what is your goal for the fundraising and um, where can people donate or how can they donate and where, where can they follow you and um, what is what is the money going to be used for? Absolutely. So um, I'll start with how the money is going to be used. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, the memorial itself is it's called the Wisconsin 9-11 Memorial and Education Center. And so obviously, their first goal was erecting the memorial and creating a space that people could come and celebrate and honor and remember the events that happened on September 11, 2001. But the second part of their mission is the educational piece. And we're at a day and age right now where the younger generation that's growing up, school age kids right now, they aren't as affected by 9-11 as mm-hmm. we are. Um, yeah, they never so, lived through it, right? So Correct. Yeah, they didn't live through it. And it's not really 100% like in the curriculum and our goal is to make sure that they never forget. Right. And so the mission of, uh, and where the funds will be used is first off, uh, a collateral campaign to share information about the memorial. Uh, official mailers are going out to every school district in our county and neighboring counties to let them know that the memorial exists and what type of resources are available to them and their students. So that's going to be the first part. And the second part is um, funding for field trips is very challenging right now. So mm-hmm. uh, I hope to raise enough money to um, have bus scholarships so that some school districts are able to get their kids on a bus and physically get them to the memorial because it's really beautiful. Yes, there's a piece of the North Tower there, but there's also so many elements like the healing tree uh, Mm -hmm. and it represents something specific that is actually at the memorial site and um, all different like uh, honoring of military and firefighters and police officers and things like that. And then there are different books and they have like uh, printable materials that are available for for education. So that's where the money's going to be used. And my goal for this trip is $25,000. Oh, sweet. Good for you. Yeah, that's what I'm really trying to raise. Um, so 
I'm going to hit hard. I've been kind of uh, campaigning almost, if you will, to just kind of let people know about what I'm doing, because I really do believe that if people know the passion behind the the mm-hmm. drive and if they understand the mission and where the money's going to be used, that is something that they uh, might open their hearts and their wallets to. Yeah. Amazing. Sounds great. Um, <laughs> it's really It's weird. As a Canadian, um, I feel probably similar to you. Most kids now, they they barely know what 9-11 is, especially as Canadians, because yeah. it wasn't in our country. But I think anybody who was alive at that time, and not a child, but like a little bit older, teenager, older, everybody knows where they were that day. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I was walking in college and I was going to get a bagel from the cafeteria and I saw this group of students piled around a TV and I'm like, watch a plane fly into a building. I was like, huh. And I kept walking because it, I thought it was just a class project. Somebody was whatever, you know, and I went and got my bagel and I was coming back and I was like, oh, they're still watching this. And then I finally realized what happened. I was like, oh my God, like what the, you know? And uh, when I went back to class, I'm, I'm quite the joker and nobody believed me. I was like, no guys, I'm serious. And they're like, yeah, yeah, Chris. Okay. Whatever. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. I was, um, so my husband and I, we were stationed at Okinawa, Japan at the time. And, um, so the, we were ahead quite a bit. Arnold. Yeah. We were ahead of the U S and so, Mm -hmm. um, this was back in the day when you would, we were playing a DVD. It would have been like the middle of the night almost. Right. Yeah. It was the middle of the night. So it was kind of late. Right. And, um, we had watched a movie and we were watching the movie on DVD. So what'll happen is when you're watching DVD and then your screen is kind of static for a while after the movie, it pops back to regular TV, whatever was on. So we finished the movie, we went outside uh, and then we came back in and that was on TV. Right. And it oh was just God. like, and I was looking and so I, confused. I, right? <laughs> yeah. I was super confused. And then I opened the door and I yelled out to my husband. I was like, Hey, Hey, come here. Like, is this real? Like, is this, it says it's live, you know, it said live on the TV and I'm like, what? And he was like, that's real. And so, and so literally I want to say after he said that's real about two minutes later, we hear these alarms going off on base. Um, So there's, there's something called ACM like activation alarms. Mm -hmm. And the way it works in the military is like every single company has an ACM division and half of the company is on call. And the other Mm -hmm. half is not because you have to potentially deploy and then others have to stay back. So my husband was on ACM call. And so the alarms went off and you have one hour to get to the armory with all of your gear as if you're never coming back right and so he got all packed up and he was out the door and um you know he never deployed that day or even Mm -hmm. they were on alert for like a week trying to figure out what was going on or and this would have been worldwide right like this is every base every station yeah you can only imagine that right that everybody is on alert and so uh in the military we have this thing called hurry you know this uh hurry up and wait like hurry up and wait yeah (laughs) Yeah. and so like you're so used to that all the time and you know so you get your gear and you go and you you wait and you wait for the order um and they ended up not deploying at the time but uh we ended up supporting um you know of course the 
global war on terrorism. Um, so as, as the time went on, um, I ended up going to Korea for three months to train martial arts for reservists who were traveling over uh-huh. to the war. So they would kind of, you know, the reserve teams would basically, they, they gear up and then they go to a specific location for kind of like pre-deployment mm-hmm. training and martial arts was part of their pre-deployment training. And then, um, they continued on, but so were I were you at the army base to- downtown Seoul or uh yeah so we were directly across the street from the rock marine base um yeah and so because i I know uh, like right down in itaewon they have a big base so i was i was i lived down there for a couple years uh way back yeah oh wow yeah Yeah. and then ilsan had the air base Uh, i don't remember where else in korea (laughs) there's a lot yeah we were close to the dmz and we had uh we were on lockdown the whole time yeah um like it was crazy um so so that was kind of like my first contribution to uh GWAT, we call it global on terrorism. But then like as a drill instructor, um, of course you're making Marines and you never know where they go once they're mm-hmm. uh, a Marine and, and finally trained up. So, um, yeah, so it was pretty impactful. And so that hits me hard, you know, it hits me in the fields when it comes to doing a, a, a ride like this, mm-hmm. you know, so I can only imagine that it's going to be uh, exciting, but it's also probably going to get <laughs> more emotional as I get towards the end. Yeah, and what's the uh, what is the end location in DC? Is it a memorial or is it a the White House yeah. or what is it? Yeah, so I'm actually uh so the end location, mile marker 0 is probably like 3 miles from the White House. And so I am going to continue there, um kind of check out the memorial and stuff like or the various memorials and you know mm-hmm. uh, iconic locations and um I hope to hook up with uh, someone from like the Secretary of defense office uh, about another project that um, I I love, which is called uh, the I am not invisible project. Mm -hmm. It's a a project that focuses on women veterans and just kind of making sure that um, their stories are shared as well. So that's a big project of his. And I I hope to connect with someone on his team there. Awesome. That sounds amazing. You're doing it all. Well, I I do (laughs) wish you all the best on your bike tour. Um, Is there anything I missed else that you might want to talk about? Uh, yeah, you know, the only thing that I'll mention, the last thing is, uh, so all of this, you'll notice the, the word possible is in everything. And so, um, I, I have the possible project podcast. I actually wrote a book during COVID called called finding my possible. And, uh, that's just a story about my life and kind of like everything that I went through up until the time that I, um, uh, got out of the military basically, uh, to current day. And so, uh, I think that's pretty interesting. So it's finding my possible, the possible project podcast. Uh, and it's all just kind of linked together in my life. My story is, uh, like all things are possible through Christ. So that's like everything in a nutshell. Nice. And, uh, you kind of asked earlier, like where people can find me if they wanted to follow the trip. Right. So, uh, the most simple thing to do, is go to my website, which is called TaraGundrum.com, and that's T-A-R-R-A, and my last name is Gundrum, G-U-N-D-R-U-M.com. And so from there, you can find a link to the podcast. You can find um, a link to everything that I'm doing. And then, uh, of course, on Facebook, it's just Tara Gundrum, and Mm -hmm. on social media, it's just Tara Gundrum everywhere. Easy Um, name. Nobody else has it, huh? Yeah, no one else has it. You just got to spell terror with two R's and you're good to go. Uh, and then lastly is I do have a little, <laughs> I have a, a very amateur vlog site on uh, YouTube 
called T-Guns Adventures. That's just T-G-U-N-S Adventures. Nice. And that's that's where you can find all of my little vlog videos and you'll get to learn more about my trip. Nice. Yeah, I'll just get you to forward me those links and then I will make sure to add them all because yeah. I'd have to listen to the whole episode again just to get them all. <laughs> oh, no, I'll, I'll send you everything. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much for being on the show um, and sharing your story and um, aspirations and all that. And I think it's it's phenomenal that you're really pushing, you know, working towards growth for cycling for women, especially particularly women of color. And that's definitely... I think cyclists of color is already a small enough minority, but then when you get to women, it's, it becomes even much smaller. Yeah. So good yeah, for you, you and uh, keep up the hard work. Yeah, right on, Chris. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And I hope that uh, we can reconnect someday soon. I hope so too. All right, you don't have to hang up, but I will say goodbye and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. Right on. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me to keep going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have comments or questions, you can email me at chris at biketoadventures.com or go to the website biketoadventures.com and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, blog posts, videos, and the Touring Tips page. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you're enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bike tour adventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, helping me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and continue to produce the high quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated and keep on pedaling. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated and keep on pedaling.